Hey there, we're the West Slot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Uh, tonight, we are previewing the Michigan Wolverines back on our schedule for the first time in a few years. Um, Michigan coming off a 2-4 and four season last year. Uh, Jim Harbaugh entering his seventh year. Uh, that seat seems to be getting pretty hot as far as, uh, you know, will he ever beat Ohio State? Maybe, maybe not. We, we shall see. But uh, a disappointing year last year to say the least. Um, I mean, their defense was just god awful last year. Uh, John, have they gotten any better? Uh, <laughs> uh, so before we get there, let's say that no one, including me, saw. Again, Sam said it off the top, but this absolute defensive tire fire in Ann Arbor. None of us saw this coming, including me. Um. But with that said, I, I, I'd like to say we had a pretty solid hypothesis for Michigan heading into 2020. So we said that they were going to have this like daunting defensive rebuild, but that they had the talent in the secondary and especially the talent up front to make up for that. And to quote the immortal Ron White, and I was wrong. Uh, last year, Michigan had a D-line that couldn't get sacks, linebackers who couldn't tackle, and corners who couldn't cover. But aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Um, What's crazy about everything I just listed is that somehow, going into this season, everyone is focusing on the wrong thing within that whole mess, which is the lack of sacks. Yes, Michigan's D only had nine sacks. And yes, no player had more than two sacks. But we completely expected this. We said that Michigan's D-line going into last year was almost from like a classic Michigan state mold, and that's exactly how it played out. So heck, Quiddy Pie was a first-round draft pick, and that wasn't by accident. Pie, Chris Hitton Jr., Aiden Hutchinson, and Carlo Kemp were what we thought they were going to be. Slow and strong and tough and really good against the run. And these guys did exactly what we expected them to do within the type of players they were, and they did it well. And in the secondary, Michigan, just as we predicted they would be, was just fine reloading at safety. Daxton Hill stepped right in next to Brad Hawkins, and those two guys both looked great. Are you ready, people? Because we have reached the point in this preview where things absolutely fall off a cliff. So first, cornerback. Micah Parsons at Penn State is never going to be topped in terms of the effect that one player can have on a team by sitting out, but do not sleep on Ambry Thomas at Michigan. Michigan was turning over a ton in the secondary last year, and they really needed Thomas to step in at cornerback. And when he opted out, Michigan was going to be totally green, and they were going to need young corners to step up. This did not happen. Here's what happens when you combine a D-line that isn't built for sacks with two corners, Kamon Green and Vincent Gray, who are absolutely not ready for the moment. 
you end up with the number 13 pass defense in the Big Ten. And I might want to add, or add as we've added on Twitter multiple times, this D sorely could have used Rod Hurd, who had a Michigan offer that he turned down in favor of Northwestern, and absolutely would have been playing at Michigan by the second half of last season. But they didn't have him because they didn't have the guys they needed, and that's kind of the point. Um, and as I say that Michigan had the number 13 pass defense in the Big Ten, I'd just like to stop here one more time and remind you all that as bad as Michigan was against the pass, Ohio State and the Big Ten's best cornerback, Sean Wade, was a full 50 yards per game worse than Michigan was. But I digress. Back to Michigan. Um, Here's the biggest buried lead of all. The number one reason that Michigan was so bad defensively last year is this. So let me step back for a second. Remember when Jon Stewart, many years ago, did his whole attack way back when on Fox News when they would passively slander people using questions? And Stewart basically summed it up by saying... It's like if I asked, is your mother a whore? I didn't say she was. I'm just asking the question. So, with that in mind, are Michigan's linebackers the worst linebackers in the Big Ten? I'm not saying they are. (laughs) I'm just asking the question. I mean, they can't be, right? Right? I don't know what to say here. Let's just say this. If... For example, Michigan could have had the Rutgers linebacker core last year. They would have been much, much better on defense. This group was garbage. We predicted that this was going to be a big problem area for Michigan because they turned over everyone here and their best returning player, Josh Ross, was coming off a major injury. But we figured that with the talent everywhere else, things would just level out. Nope. Understand, Michigan had the number 10 defense in the Big Ten against the run last year with great safeties and a great anti-run defensive line. Do you know how bad the linebackers have to be for that to happen? This group was atrocious. Ross Ross finished with 54 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, and one sack, and those numbers made him by far Michigan's best linebacker so he's back as is the whole rest of the group and honestly like these guys aren't at the level where I'm gonna go through and name them individually they didn't tackle they didn't sack they didn't cover they didn't do anything um this is an honest to god disaster and here's the kicker Michigan's gonna be shifting to a 3-4 this year because Don Brown was fired after the disaster of last season and replaced by new coordinator Mike McDonald from the Ravens. So a shift to a 3-4 definitely suits the guys up front, like Hinton, Hutchinson, nose tackle Donovan Jeter. Those are ideal 3-4 defensive linemen. They were ideal, say, Michigan State, Northwestern, Iowa-style 4-3 defensive linemen. The shift suits them. But this is not the group of linebacker chairs, you want to be reshuffling around the deck right now. The solution ain't for more of these guys to play. So here's the bottom line. Michigan has the defensive line it needs, and it has the safeties it needs. The corners might improve, and if they don't, Michigan has certainly big recruiting talent, 
waiting to step in and, and give it a shot instead. Um, but I don't see any flipping way that you can take a group of linebackers that was this bad last year, throw another of them onto the field, teach them an entirely new scheme, and not expect them to be bad. So expecting that this group is going to generate all of the sacks this team is going to need just because you're shifting to a 3-4? Um, expecting them to stop the run when they couldn't do it with two more NFL linemen in front of them than they're going to have this year? So again, I'm like, I know it's Michigan. I get it. We've previewed a million awesome Michigan defenses. Um, but this could go so, so wrong for the Wolverines this year. Um, they're either going to have all of this figured out by the time they face Northwestern or, I mean, really possibly, they will not have it figured out. So offensively, Scuzz, um, bit of a quarterback carousel last year. Uh, they brought in a... Just last year? I mean, I mean it, it, it's, like... it's been a minute since they've had a quarterback of note. Um yeah, they got, they got well, a actually. I guess Shea I guess Patterson. We're only two year, yeah, we're only two years removed from the Shea Patterson experience, so I should take that back. No, that's but before good. the Shea Patterson experience, it was a mess as well. Yeah, so you know, quarterback has been an issue for Michigan. Here uh, comes John O'Corn to save the day. Yeah, and, and you know, is Alan Bowman coming in from uh, Texas Tech the answer, or did they maybe uh, go out and get a super stud true freshman who might come in and win the job? God, if you're a Michigan fan and you hear the name Alan Bowman called, I mean, like collective apoplexy in the big house. Uh, so, I mean, I'll just I'll just say it off the top: if they don't start JJ McCarthy at quarterback, they're insane. Um, I'll 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 expand on that as we get there, but um, let's let's still look to last year because I think you know, interestingly, Michigan came out of the gate last season and looked phenomenal. They annihilated Minnesota in the opener. They lost to Michigan State, but put up a ton of yards, uh, scored 24 points in, in week two. Um, and then as the season we went, you know, like Joe Milton came onto the scene super strong as their new quarterback, uh, but he got struggled, or, but, he, but he struggled with, with uh, stronger teams and then got more and more banged up. It became very clear that the offense couldn't make up for the deficiencies on defense. And I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but there's a chance that Michigan just kind of shut things down. I mean, they went into this game against Penn State at the end of the year and looked. I mean, they absolutely should have beaten Penn State, uh, given how the the problems that team was having. But there were two really interesting conundrums that stood out to me as I was digging into this team's performance last season. So the first is they lost four starting O linemen to the NFL, and their starting center and tackles were lost to injury at some point during 2020 and missed kind of the last two or three games. But despite that, one of the biggest issues of the Shea Patterson era was completely rectified in that the Wolverines cut their sack rate in half and dramatically improved on pass production. On the flip side, surprisingly, their passing offense did not improve in either yards or efficiency, and it was much worse on touchdowns and turnovers. So, I mean, a lot of this can be certainly chalked up to, to, to Joe Milton, right? He was much more mobile uh, than Patterson. He was a physical presence on the field, much harder to tackle. His escapability was was obvious. It certainly that had an impact on the sack rate in the pass pro. But his inexperience versus Shea Patterson throwing the ball, and uh, I guess a thumb injury that he suffered at some point, he had offseason surgery, 
you know, certainly impacted um, some of those numbers too. But the thing that you can't look away from is the sizable drop-off in talent at wide receiver. So they lost Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tarek Black. Those guys both graduated or, or left for the NFL the year prior. Now these guys were up in, with these guys had up and down college careers. Black had been injured a couple times, but they were prodigious athletes. And then going into 2020, much like uh, much like with Aubrey Thomas on the defense, Nico Collins opted out. He was far and away their best, most athletic wide receiver. And then you were left with Ronnie Bell and Cornelius Johnson, who were just a far cry athletically from the Michigan weapons of the past. So the other conundrum is that despite that improvement in in some of the passing stats for the O-line, the O-line got way worse in run blocking. But somehow, the efficiency of the running backs jumped up. Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet both averaged a yard to a yard and a half above their 2019 per carry production. This is despite the O-line falling into the bottom third of college football in standard down and short yardage run blocking stats. I have to think that the threat of Milton running the ball was critical here. But running back has also been an area of relative weakness for Michigan for a while. I mean, they had a couple years of Karen Higdon was really good, but so many, you know, presumably top-end recruits that just haven't panned out for them. And if they can retain that that running QB threat to help spring their running game in a way that they haven't seen during most of the Harbaugh era, there's some serious running build, running back talent that could build on that in 2021. So... Reasons to be excited this next year if you're a Michigan fan. First, everyone but Joe Milton is back. Now, Milton was definitely talented. We saw that in that week one game against Minnesota. He threw for 300 yards against Michigan State. He brought great size and physicality to the, to the quarterback position, something that um, they've sorely lacked if you think about the likes of McCaffrey and, and Patterson. Um, but when they went up against the good defenses, Indiana, Wisconsin, he, he just totally bombed. Maybe that was the injury. Maybe that was the scheme. Maybe it was the wide receivers, like I was mentioning. But... Um, it just didn't seem to work out. Now, J.J. McCarthy is a five-star, all-everything QB recruit coming from Nazareth, right, John? Do I have that Cor- right? Correct. I mean, we recruited him super heavily. Yep. So comes from the from the, the northwestern Illinois suburbs, uh, or Chicago suburbs, I should say. Um, he sure seems like he would be an upgrade over Milton. He's not going to be the same physical presence, but, um, I, like again, they would be crazy not to start him. Let's, let's focus elsewhere, though, before we dig too deep onto quarterback. So offensive line, I mentioned that they lost four starters to the NFL last year, had a couple of key injuries, but they continue to have just an extremely talented pipeline. Uh, going into 2021, they lose their backup center and a starting tackle, but they bring back the rest of the two deep that all have a ton of starting experience because of those injuries last season. Uh, the two guards and the left tackle are all future pros. Uh, Vestardis, who was, was fantastic as their center, their starting center the, the first two games last year before being lost to injury. And, and this this is just going to be a strength for Michigan in 2021. It often is, and uh, it, it will be again this year. Building on top of that, I think you're going to see Michigan have their best year running the ball since uh, at least 2018, if not further back. Uh, that was the year Karen Higdon had his, had his breakout year. I think rushed, rushed for almost 1,200 yards. Uh, Hassan Haskins, who I mentioned earlier, has shown he can be really serviceable as the change of pace back in the last two years. I think you know, six carries for 80 yards against Michigan State, um, eight carries for for 60 60 plus against Minnesota. Uh, he barely played against Wisconsin, which is kind of weird, but was the primary ball carrier the last two games. Looked really good against Penn State in that in that finale. Uh, finale. Um, so he's back. Uh, he's not going to be alone though. Uh, Zach Charbonnet is gone. 
Uh, Chris Evans is gone. Uh, this guy named Blake Corum, a very good recruit who carried, you know, I think had 26 carries last year. Uh, he's fine, you know, nothing, nothing to, to write home about. But they are bringing in an absolute blue chipper in a guy named Donovan Edwards. So Edwards is from Michigan, just outside of uh, kind of, you know north northwest of Detroit, I think. He held offers from Alabama, Notre Dame, LSU, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Georgia, Penn State, and just about everywhere else. He was the number three running back of the nation. He was the number two recruit in the state of Michigan. This is that is exactly the type of player that Michigan needs, and I think probably has not landed in a long time. He runs with power and speed. He was listed in his rival's profile at 193 pounds. He enrolled early and stood out at the spring game. I expect him to start day one. With Haskins and Corum to spell him, this running back core is looking, you know, really good. Now, to be fair, when you when you dig back in, Zach Charbonnet was rated pretty closely to Edwards uh, on rivals, but he didn't have anywhere near that type of offer list, which frankly tells me everything I need to know about how good Edwards can be. I mean, when the likes of LSU and Alabama are looking at this guy, I mean, he's he's on par. He's better. He's got better potential, in my opinion, than any other ball carrier in the conference, save Travion Henderson, who had an extremely similar profile and offer list going to Ohio State. Whiteout is still a potential issue. So Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, and Roman Wilson all return, and they're all fine. Uh, A.J. Henning was, in my opinion, the best offensive recruit coming in last season, but he never played. And with the exception of Johnson, those other three guys are all just really small, fast receivers. And small, fast receivers that don't seem to have elite speed. I mean, maybe Henning could be that guy, but we just haven't seen him on the field yet. Uh, drops were a problem last season. Uh, the tight end situation didn't help. Drops were even even a bigger issue there. And those guys couldn't overcome experience. Uh, this year, they get Eric All back at, at tight end. But they have to be more productive from that position. They had another good receiver recruit in Christian Dixon. Uh, he's at least over six feet, feet tall, which is untrue for most of the rest of the receiver core. Uh, they also have a really good tight end recruit in Lewis Hansen. But, I, I mean, this group is the clear weak spot of the offense last year. It does not appear to be a strength this season. Um, it's going to be young and inexperienced, with the exception of, of Bell and Johnson, really. I mean, all that being said, better quarterback play in another year in the Josh Gaddis offense including having a spring with Josh Gaddis, like that very well might improve things. And that brings us to quarterback. So I said this earlier, I think they have to go with J.J. McCarthy, and it's for several reasons. So first, I feel like Michigan has been hesitant to, to give the reins to a young QB in, in years past, and all these guys have transferred. Now, maybe it's because they're no good, but the two things also might be linked. You think Dylan McCaffrey, uh, think Brandon Peters, it's all been incoming transfers starting for Michigan, and it hasn't really worked. Uh, Shea Patterson was good, but other than that, it's not gone well. And if they goof around with Alan Bowman, the, the transfer from Texas Tech that you mentioned, Sam, or bring back Cade McNamara, uh, who played last year, his stats look great, but that's because all of his stats were against Rutgers. Um, I think those things are just going to put J.J. McCarthy at risk of transfer, and he's way too good to risk that. He had an up-and-down spring, but everyone watching Michigan in the spring says the talent is there. It's just about time in the system and development. This kid's got to play. Uh, the other aspect is that the Shea Patterson, Patterson era showed me that Michigan needs a mobile quarterback to open things up. They cannot run out 
1988 Michigan offense anymore. It does not work in this day and age in college football. Lucky you have such a flexible guy in Jim Harbaugh, though, to, to make the <laughs> I, I, I know, right? Um, but, you know, this is where he brought in Gaddis. Let Gaddis do his thing. Gaddis needs a mobile QB in his system. You can clearly see when you dig into this how Milton's mobility opened things up for Michigan last year. I mean, their offensive line was a shell of itself, and their running backs got dramatically better. That's because there was a dude in the backfield, a third dude in the backfield threatening to carry the ball. And if they go with the statuesque Bowman or McNamara, who was you know similarly immobile, it is just not going to work, especially with all those fast guys in the wide receiver core. They benefit from a QB that can extend plays. So, you know, next year, it might be a building block year for Michigan on offense. Um, and, and and truly, like when you look at, at the Michigan offense of 2020, it wasn't that dramatic of a drop off from, uh, from 2019. It just couldn't score enough to make up for the D. Sounds like they're going to have to score some this year to make up for the D. But you look forward to 2022 or beyond. Between McCarthy, Edwards, the O-line, A.J. Henning, you know, Ronnie Bell, who will be in a, around another year if he wants to be. This offense has a lot of potential going forward. And I think that this will be the interesting question. If this year doesn't go the way they want it to, and I and I, I guarantee they ain't beaten Ohio State this this year. So, like, the, the heat on Harbaugh's seat from some angles is going to ratchet up. I don't know if it's real or not, but... Like there's there's a lot of potential here with the offense that could be gangbusters in 2022 or 2023. Yeah, that that's a big question that I'm I'm wondering is like, you know, all this talent. Like you guys have both talked about talent that's there, but it's it. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so Scuzz talked it's about. Pal- all- I mean, it's 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 palpable on the offense. Yeah, like. like you need guys to show up and actually execute and develop, but like the talent is palpable. I so it's all. I mean, let's step back a second, Sam, because I you want to run through their schedule. Yeah, and we can go over I, this. I, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they start uh, their entire non-conference slate is at home: uh, Western Michigan, Washington, and then Northern Illinois. Uh, then they get Rutgers, also at home. That's their homecoming. Then they hit the road at Wisconsin, at Nebraska. They get their bye week to prepare for us. Um, after we head to the big house, they're at Michigan State, home for Indiana, at Penn State, at Maryland, and then home for Ohio State to round out the season. Um, I, you know, the non-conference, I mean, the Washington game has a lot of marquee to it just because it's Michigan-Washington. But I, I, I mean... I So, like, what's so crazy to me is, like, so, first of all, looking at this schedule, I think Scuzz has made a compelling case. I'm operating under the in under the assumption that Michigan's going to be sweet at running the ball this year. Um, I think you can look at, again, their running game was kind of a mess last year. And it was a mix of the offensive line injuries. And you can see it like once their center went down. Um, and then playing teams that are just good at run defense. The issue is, and this is where that thing, I mean, talking about like flexibility or lack thereof and just needing to find a level of dynamicism with the offense that just Harbaugh has not historically had is like on one hand, you can say offensive line injuries. And on the second hand, you can say they played good run defenses down the stretch. On the other hand, Michigan just did not score points in the second half of their season against every team, but Rutgers, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Penn state were just like, Nope, you will score no points. And so 
they've got a big way to come up from that. I guess my my takeaway from that is I don't care about any of that. I think Michigan's going to be sick running the ball, like Scuzz said. If they have a healthy offensive line and Donovan Edwards, I think they're going to be good. But that what doesn't when they get down twenty one points. Well, well, that and and that doesn't change that they still play Wisconsin, Northwestern, Penn State, and Ohio State, and Indiana, all of whom are going to have good D's against the run. So that's then the question is okay. So then what? Then is everything else Scott's talked about with like you need McCarthy and you need to to develop some other. It's funny like the the offensive parallels between this team and Northwestern, right? It's like you've got and it's like everyone's talking about McCarthy, McCarthy, McCarthy. Ryan Halinski was like a massive recruit too, and it's yep. like we have a good an offensive line that looks really good and a good running back, and we're looking at our receiver core and our new quarterback and being like we've got to find something there. Michigan's in the same place. I'm totally willing to accept that Michigan and their great line and their great running back stable and their massive running back recruit like are a level above us running the football. Like I'll I'll accept that. The question is when they run into all these teams who are good at stopping that thing, who really absolutely stoned them last year injuries or not um what are they what are they gonna do yeah let, let's talk about the broader schedule and then focus in on the northwestern matchup because i think there's some some things that need to be uh th- talked about there but like because because you're, you're spot on john that they play four really tough run defenses in the big 10 and and washington by the way who's how good like, is washington favorite to they're the odds on favor to win the North in the Pac-12. Are they, they really? Back wow. like 17 starters. Like, they're going to be good. I, I yeah. just, you know, last year, I have no idea. Like, first year under Jimmy Lake, I had no idea how they were because they just well, they, they they barely won, played. They, they won their division, and then they didn't play but in the title couldn't game. But couldn't play in the title game, yeah. Yeah, but, but they bring back virtually everyone. Okay. You know, Jimmy Lake is super well-regarded, right? Sure. Um, they re- They've recruited well. I mean, that's... They'll, they they should 100% be favored against Michigan. We'll see, you know, betting is Even at I mean, that the, the big like it's at the big house. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule except for the game at Wisconsin, Northwestern, Indiana, Ohio State all at home. Uh they're at Penn State. So, you know, at Penn State, at Wisconsin, those are their two big road games, but all of their other yeah, tough I'll, games are all at home. Yeah. And and if if McCarthy's hit and miss, I mean, that's going to be really really interesting. Certainly, right? Like home field, crowd noise, all that stuff is going to be a good boon for a for for a young QB. But um, these are teams, especially Wisconsin, Northwestern. Uh, well, I guess, not Wisconsin. Sorry, Northwestern, um, Indiana. Really good at mixing up coverages and confusing QBs. Right? Like this is this like that young QB kind of plays into both those teams' hands in 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 some nice ways. So. Um, I don't know. Like, I like, I feel pretty confident that Michigan's going to win six games on talent alone, um, and and just you know improvement. But uh, beyond that, I don't I don't know. And and, and you know, six six or seven ain't going to make anybody happy in Ann Arbor. I'm just like it's so like the first thing is again it's I I, I know some people are going to be listening, being like me in particular, being like you're being so hyperbolic here, like. This was a really bad team last year. Like, do you look at some of these scores? They got smoked in several games. And then they narrowly beat Rutgers in a game where Rutgers was just scoring points to beat the band. But I guess I kind of, I resent the notion. I I hate the idea that 
and like I said, it's different on Scott's side of the ball, but I hate on, I hate the idea that just because a team brings everybody back, that's like a panacea. Um, because like, and they had like, yeah, Michigan's loaded with like recruiting stars and stuff like that. But like, understand like when the linebacker core was going to hell in a handbasket last year, it's not like they didn't try other guys. When their two cornerbacks were getting dusted last year, it's not like they didn't try other guys. Like, teams get used to just naturally being able to reload every year. And sometimes teams run out of a bunch of guys, and regardless of what happened in recruiting, the next wave just isn't ready yet. And the thing is, looking at Scuzz, like, it's not hard to look at everything Scuzz is planning to be like the seeds of a great offense, especially if not immediately in the years coming, are definitely there. And of course, it's Michigan. Like, if they didn't have the guys last year, they try that whole group this year, and then it could be that there's some, you know, massive true freshman at linebacker, right, who's inserted toward the end of the year. And people are like, oh, I, we can see that this is going to be the guy. And then in the subsequent years, he becomes the guy, right? And then Michigan D starts to write itself, right? All of this makes perfect sense to me. Michigan recruits like Michigan, right? And you can look and see like, okay, I have no trouble believing that Michigan is just in the middle of a defensive hiccup right now that has come at them out of the out of the blue. Do I believe it's going to write itself this season? I don't think I do. Do I believe it'll write itself down the road? Absolutely I do. But we're not in a vacuum here. We are in deep in the malaise of the Jim Harbaugh era this year, right? We haven't brought up the fact that how many guys transferred out of Michigan this year. Um this massive amount of guys, and you you look at the transfer, the list of guys who transferred out of programs, and there are two names up at the top of the list that stand out from all the other names, which are basically quarterbacks that have effectively just made a coaching change, and it's Michigan and TCU. And the common thread is two teams that are very proud, Michigan obviously more so, with coaches who've been there a long time, who have many accolades attached to their names— where the programs have not been doing well recently. And there is a certain amount of malaise and a fan base is starting to wonder what's the next step here. Um, so it's like, I, I totally believe, like I look at the, the pieces Michigan's putting in place and I'm like, this will level out, you know, beating Ohio State, no. But the program is going to level out eventually from where it was last year and where it might be this year. I just don't know what that means for Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, the, like I was getting to this before uh, we got to the the schedules, but like, you know, with all this talent on offense, if you know, what's the number? Like, when is Harbaugh done? Like, when will the Michigan brass start to lose faith in him? I mean, he's been there seven years. He's never lasted more than four anywhere else because he starts rubbing people the wrong way. Um, you know, last year obviously raised a lot of red flags, and you know. I think they were trying, like, they were, I, I'm thinking they were probably pretty close to firing him at some point last year. Um, obviously, they didn't. But, like, you know, you brought in all this offensive talent. How much leeway are you going to give him before you run him out the door? And if you, you really if think you, they were close to firing him? I thought, I felt like they might have been closer than a lot of people thought. I mean, obviously, he didn't. But, like, when they were reworking his contract to make him much more fireable. Like they got I, rid I think they, you know, took out a lot of his, you know, future money. I felt like that was just like I mean almost like a 
we're not able to fire you, but we can't keep paying you like this for the performance you're giving us. And kind of everybody was like, kind of shrugged and was like, eh, okay. It didn't seem like close to firing. It just seemed kind of like, we don't know who else we could go hire. So that's, that's a big, that's a big thing. I mean, like at some point, you know, you, you gotta, I don't know. How much longer is is he, are they going to let Harbaugh lose to Ohio State? Because you know, for Michigan, that is that's it. It's like if if you're not if you're not beating Ohio State, what are you doing here? Like they could they could finish eleven and one every year, but if they lose to Ohio State, which they have been, nobody cares. I mean, I think if I was a Michigan fan, I'd be pretty damn happy with eleven and one if they pulled that out of this season. Yeah, but, no doubt. But they're because like I mean, I think. You know, a possibility, right, is let's say they go six and six or seven and five. And that would be enough that I mean, and and even like an eight and four. Right. I mean, it's like that's the thing. They could go eight and four against this schedule and it's going to feel lame ducky heading into next season because like the fan base is just going to be out on Harbaugh and a bunch more guys are going to transfer out. And this thing is just not going to be getting better. Um, and, you know, it's it's funny. I, I look at a bunch of these teams and I'm, I'm just looking at, you know, things start. I mean, things start. I mean, that Washington game is rough. But then, you know, you look Western Michigan, NIU, potentially Rutgers, certainly Nebraska. Right. And you could be like, even if they lose to Washington, Michigan could be looking at a four and two start and then a bye game heading into Northwestern. But you look at the last four games on their schedule. There's a really there's a really strong potential that, especially if Penn State comes together, which is possible, that all four of the last four teams they play throw the ball really well, and Michigan's not good at defending the pass. So I don't like the the chance of them putting up a bunch of points and having a really negative end to this season is certainly there. Um, and you know, it's like their, their worst case scenario for this team. I mean, you can find seven teams on this schedule that can beat them. I don't think that's going to necessarily happen, but I just feel like I don't, I, I, I really, again, I know a lot of you listening and being like, you were so hyperbolic talking about this defense and it's like, I'm sorry, but they did not play a murderer's role of offenses last year and they were just smoked by a bunch of the teams that they played and it's just going to be the same dudes and they're totally changing the scheme and their coordinator was fired and there's a new coordinator coming in and all of this is just going to magically fix itself. Um, This is, this, this is a good turning point to Northwestern and the matchup with us, because I think you pointed out what, so one of two things that has me worried, John, and that's to beat Michigan. I feel like you need to throw the ball well and I'm not suggesting we won't throw the ball well, but running is going to be Northwestern's strength next year on offense. So we've we've hinted at this and talked about this a number of different times, right? Um, and certainly I rate our D as be, you know better than their D. But the other specter is that during the absolute train wreck that was the Brady Hoke era, we never beat Michigan. We should have beat them twice, maybe three times, but we never did. And we haven't beat Harbaugh either. And there's like there's a little bit of a specter that's hanging over this game for me because 
this is another year where you look at it on paper and yeah, Michigan's got all this talent, but if, if they're, you know, let's assume Northwestern's defense regresses a little bit without Newsom and that Michigan's defense goes back up to the middle of the conference. We're still demonstrably better than them. And they're going to have a lot of like young, awesome talent, but John laid it out earlier. Like the offenses aren't too dissimilar and certainly kind of similar in, in style and the place that they're in, in the world right now. Like, you know, granted the games at the big house, but this is a very gettable game for Northwestern. And it feels like a huge ask for the cats to win this game, even though I know in my heart and I know in my head that it shouldn't be. I just, it, it just gets, it's so annoying. Like again, pro football focus has Michigan ranked, you know, they expect them to finish sixth in the big 10 this year. And on one hand, I know Michigan fans are being like six. That is so low. But on the other hand, we weren't picked in the top seven. And I'm just, I look at like, Chris Bergen would be the best linebacker on Michigan. Like, and their defensive line is awesome. And of course, like, it's funny to look at a guy like Chris Hinton and be like, that's someone we recruited really heavily. And he is the exact kind of guy Northwestern's going to be trotting out. But it's like... AJ Henning on the other side too. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, but it's, and it's like the characters of the defensive lines are the same, but... I just, it really annoys me when Northwestern's developed an unbelievable culture prepping linebackers. And we have this amazing group that's just come through, and we have all these really promising guys ready to step in. And the attitude is that, oh, well, Northwestern just might not be able to make any of that work. And then somehow it's a different look when people look at at Michigan's linebackers, who were so bad last year. And then are going through a coordinator shift and everything and are just like, well, it's Michigan, so they'll get better. And I this just is, this is exactly your your um, your great point about the Ohio State quarterback situation. Like CJ Stroud rated slightly below Ryan Halinski as, as recruits coming into college. <laughs> well, it's like right. I mean it's like those it's like the the it's that it's that same kind of thing, right? It's that double standard. I mean, like, let me tell you, you look at a team with a horrible run defense where the top tacklers are safeties. And if it's not Michigan, you're like, that sounds like a horrible defense to me. But with Michigan, and again, I'm not saying Michigan safeties are sick. Those guys are great safeties. And they've got a great defensive line if you're looking for like a 3-4 style defensive line. Great. So that's five of the set, five of the 11 guys. They're super solid on. And those are all great players. But I'm just like... It, it just drives me nuts that to see these kind of double standards put out and just this expectation that this they're just going to figure this all out. And again, it's like Scuzz made a compelling and very believable case that their, their offense, particularly their running game, is going to be a lot better this year. But again, it's like we talked about this with, for example, at Michigan State, right, where it's like you're looking for an awful lot of things to need to fix themselves here. And I think people are are kind of stuccoing in all the cracks with the fact that it's that it's Michigan and again it's like they a lot of this may fix itself and you have no trouble selling me that in a couple years it's going to fix itself but I don't I just don't know how Michigan fans are going to be feeling about that that process and and if 
you know, we, we just recently previewed Rutgers. Heaven help us if Rutgers beats Michigan and they start three. <laughs> okay, if if that happens, I mean that's Michigan's homecoming. If that happens, then I will I will abandon my stance that that Harbaugh will leave when Harbaugh decides he's done, and and nobody else will 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 choose that adventure. If they lose to Rutgers on homecoming, it just might be the end. Um, but th- that sort of outcome notwithstanding, I. I will go back to something I said a while ago. Like I can see six and six finding a seventh win gets, gets, gets tough. Um, not tough in the sense of like Michigan will probably be favored again, like hosting us, but tough in the sense that I think we should beat them. Um, and then after that, it's, you know, Indiana at Wisconsin, Washington, Ohio state. Like I don't pen the Penn state game. Like, those are going to be a really tall order for Michigan to pull off, and I, I think they're going to be looking at a, at a six or seven win season at best. As as massive as a recruit of JJ McCarthy, as massive of a recruit as JJ McCarthy is, I I feel good about his chance to succeed. I just wish that, for example, he had had an entire season, say, of playing in the SEC where he looked really good that he could maybe hang his hat on. In addition to being a massive recruit, like say Ryan Holinsky does. I just think this idea that like, well, J.J. McCarthy's going to come in and plug him in, and then that'll make the sure, fine. Uh, what about our guy who was sweet in the SEC and also an absolute monster recruit, and now he's going to be starting? Uh, yeah, and I mean these phenom. I mean, look at Justin Fields, right? These ph- these phenom QBs are not always phenoms their freshman year. Um, the Trevor Lawrence's of the world are extremely rare i think few and few and far between yeah Tua was a was a phenom his freshman year as well but but he even didn't he didn't even start most of the year was that was that oh yeah hurts start Mm -hmm. her started most of the year and Tua came in in relief on the national championship it was just it was just the touchdown to win the national championship game yeah um and i mean the second half you know hurts was crap that first half but yeah to come in Um, he came in the second half i mean obviously he played a lot during the year because you know garbage time for Alabama but uh yeah Tr- true freshman QBs usually struggle there's a reason for it um they're 18 <laughs> yep and and I and again like McCarthy's a, a great talent and I I think he will have ups and downs he's going to he's going to do some wowing things and he's going to do some bonehead things and that's just how it goes um really going to matter who and where and when he does those 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 things against Well, um, yeah, I mean, Michigan's a, it's just a fascinating case. Um, it's a lot, a lot to be very intrigued with. I mean, they would you be surprised if they went like nine and three? Yes, I'd be, I'd be, yes. I'd be okay. quite surprised. Okay, I, I mean, I, it it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be on the order of like I'd be more surprised if Indiana knocked off Ohio State and won the Big Ten or. Rutgers upset Michigan like like it's not it's not in the realm of like implausibilities but um I really struggle to, to map out a path of how that could actually happen okay short short of some other teams having some catastrophic injuries yeah I mean I like take take us out of the equation I have a strong expectation that Ohio State Penn State Indiana Wisconsin and Washington beat this team yeah exactly and and Michigan State always plays them super tough so, um, and that's, that's ir- irrespective of, of us. Um, so I, yeah, I, I'll say, you know, 
eight and four, I feel like is is a solid season where a lot of things came together for them for sure. Is Harbaugh still there next year if they go under six and six? If they miss a bowl game this year, will Harbaugh be back next year? <sighs> Depends that's, on the reason. Yeah, that's a that is a good question. Um, because of course, like that you you made that question open ended enough that he could just decide to leave. Sure, um, sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I. That I mean, it would that would certainly be a mess. I would say that the the feeling would be that the ship has sailed on Jim Harbaugh if they have back to back losing seasons. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that bad for them. Like like Scud said, like this team can do. I think I have an expectation that they can do one thing really well, and that's run the ball. And there are enough teams on their schedule who are not good at defending that team that I think that will that will solidly keep them away from a losing record but we'll see yeah western michigan northern illinois rutgers nebraska uh and and maryland that that should that that five wins should be the floor okay uh well let's go ahead and uh, close the door on the wolverines um head to our website westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions find us on facebook twitter and instagram at westlawpirates and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the West Lot of Brian Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.